Brian Millsap, chairman and CEO of Atlanta-based Black Hall Studios, is one of today's top entertainment executives with a vision for Black Hall that's ambitious, energizing, and boundless. Millsap is blazing a trail through the heart of the South and setting his sights on the future of entertainment. Listen and learn as Ryan Millsap journeys through the myriad industries, people, and landscapes that traverse the complex and dynamic world of film production. Welcome to the Black Hall Studios podcast. I'm Ryan Millsap. I got in the movie making business by being a real estate entrepreneur, but also because I'm a big movie fan. I get a huge kick out of watching blockbuster movies that I watch being made at Black Hall. COVID-19 has put a temporary crimp in production, hasn't it for everybody? But some amazing movies will be shooting at our studio soon and I'll have some amazing folks on the podcast. I'm also into ethics and philosophy and I think you'll see those themes throughout the podcast. So you're wondering, where exactly does the movie business and philosophy come together? That's the journey I want to take you on on the Black Hall Studios podcast. I'll bring you guests from both worlds, and I think you'll be surprised at how much philosophy goes into the world of making movies. Plus, you'll get an inside look at the new Hollywood of the South right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Give a listen. I think you'll enjoy what you hear. I'm happy to have you along for the ride on the Black Hall Studios podcast. I thought I was a busy entrepreneur until I met this guy. Today on the podcast, I welcome Mr. J.R. McNair. If you Google him, you'll come up with endless descriptors. Small business consultant, CEO, philanthropist, motivational speaker, startup expert, and more. Sit down, relax, and listen, as you're going to hear a unique story from a truly unique man. J.R. McNair is everything that Google says he is and more. I'm Ryan Millsap, and this is the Black Hall Studios Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Mr. J.R. McNair of Atlanta. He's the founder of Velocity. J.R., welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. It's, it's an honor. Well, I mean, I can't wait to hear about some of this stuff. I didn't realize that you'd been involved with over 4,200 small businesses. Well, you know what? I was telling my people, they uh, they finally updated our website. Today, uh, um, it, it's even, uh, we, we have closer to, to 9,000. So. <laughs> Tell me that story. I mean, what what is the involvement? Is it capital related? Is it management related? I mean, that's so many companies. I'm going to fast forward and then maybe I'll go back and kind of talk about um, just how I got into it. But really, when we touched that many people, it's, we're kind of almost a mix between, we started out as a mix between like a legal Zoom and a branding house. So people would come in and say, hey, you know, I need a, I need a website, I need a logo, um, can you help me with a business plan, incorporate my business? But as it kind of went on, people needed fun. They, after about 10 people coming to us, we were, they were saying, can you help us with funding? And I was like, I don't do that. But after 10 people, I said, I guess I'm going to do that. So, you know. So it's like an incubator. Yeah, well, to an extent, what we do if someone comes in and says, hey, you know, um, I need a, I need specifically a corporation and we'd help them with that. But if we came in to, um, to, to need to provide those other services, we would. But later on in the process, we developed a, uh, an incubator, something's called Accelerator, at a later date. We did. We set that up. Is that where the name Velocity comes from? Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing, you know, a lot of people think the velocity is really just about speed. Well, it's really about a, 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 the, 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 the type of speed in a particular direction, because sometimes you have to go slow 
to end up going fast, right? Mm-hmm. And so we um that so we want to get to a certain point to where we can move fast and move effectively and move efficiently with anybody that we're working with, and that's the name. One of my friends, um, who is an ex Navy SEAL, he used to we we'd go to the shooting range and he would say, "Now remember, smooth." is fast that's right <laughs> right i like that smooth is fast and so when you're talking about being efficient in your movement yeah it made me think about that that reality that it may feel like you're slowing down but if you're actually getting more efficient totally. you, you end up with speed totally and that's the thing you know we have uh four main values and i really say virtues because i think values are beliefs virtues are things you actually do right and so uh the number one it, it, we have an acronym called cheer and and so it, it stands for the number one thing that's most valuable in our company is common sense, right? And so we- It's very valuable, it, hard to find. It's hard to find. And you know, I'm just like, look, use your brain. You have a brain, think about it, make, it, make that decision. Should I do this? Should I not do this, right? That's the number most important thing. The second most important thing in that cheer is honesty, right? Are you honest? You know, and that and, and that is not just being honest with our clients, but it's being honest with each other. Because I just yesterday I had to tell an employee, and this is one of the hardest things because I love people, to tell them that their work wasn't good enough. How do you do that? Right? It's <laughs> called love. Right. And so I had to tell them, like, listen, it wasn't good enough, but because I care about you, I need to tell you these things so you can get better. And then the the, the two E's. The first one is is um, excellence. You know, we want to make sure we're doing a great job, not perfect. Right. Because perfect. You know, I don't believe in that. I, You know, I'm, I have a launch and perfect it later mentality. Right. But I, I believe in doing something to the best of your ability. And then that that fourth one is efficiency. Be efficient, you know, in what you're doing. And then the last one, um, which kind of ties into that honesty one, is relationships. That are for relationships, because I'm really big on relationships. I built my career on relationships, right? And uh, and that's what we really. So I use those values to kind of really steer us along what we're doing as an organization. I don't have a big handbook. I say think about these four things when you pro- when you think about the prioritization and how you should triage these things. Just do that and make decisions. When you look at your childhood and growing up years, can you trace a a line back to this deep care for other humans? Well, my mom was an amazing person. She passed away a few years ago, but I'm telling you, it wasn't what she taught us. It was what she did. So it was she would help so many people. I mean, she she built a church in Haiti, a orphanage down there, uh, bought 10 acres down there. We're not Haitian, you know, we're, the, you know, we're, we, she just went after that and it kind of instilled something in me. And that was really the, where I knew that whatever I could do to help somebody, I would try to, you know, you have to put that in check too, because, you know, where I am on is on, is on the end of where I try to, I, I could do so much and you have to know, okay, how much, do you do to where you still allow them opportunity to grow and develop and how much do you do to really help somebody it's a difference and i think that's really important especially when you're assisting people well it sounds like you have a a desire and a and and care for other people's souls and by that i mean the virtues they develop the character traits the you know the goodness the uh the honesty the uh, elements that make them into the kind of person 
that's deep down inside. And you care about that, it seems like, as much as the practical aspects of the external world. How did you make that decision? Or what I, what I, The way I should really phrase it is, do you feel like you're choosing one over the other, or do you feel like you're doing both in, in the work that you're doing? Well, I, I'll say this. At, at my core, um, I'm a man of faith. I believe in uh, that... I was put here for a purpose. I believe that, you know, I turned down three six-figure job offers. I graduated. I went to Wofford College. I graduated at the top of my class while I was playing football and student body president and all these things. And, you know, and I had all these job offers from Cousins Properties to Waffle House to to uh, um, BMW. And, and they, you know, a 21-year-old kid coming out of school, you know, with three six-figure job offers, and I turned them down. Because I didn't, I, I I said I needed to do something that I felt like I was going to be fulfilled and I was going to see the fruits of my labor. And so, you know, it, and it was sometimes, believe me, afterwards, I was like, what did I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was sitting there like, oh, no, did I make the right mm-hmm. job? And, uh, and, 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 but, but when I sat back and I said, oh, man, you know what? Part of, I took this personality test um, some years back, and it was it was saying. Um, Do you remember which one? It was, uh, I think it was, it was a Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Or, Do you remember your, your letters? You must be like, extroverted. Y- yeah, ENFP. ENFP. Yeah, Makes perfect sense. Right? Yeah. So, and it was Champion. like. Champion. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it told me, it was like. It said during a series of your career, you would have a bunch of different things. So, look, I've started, uh, um, you know, uh, I've started uh, media companies. I've started restaurants, two, three restaurants. I've had uh, uh, um, landscaping companies, real estate companies, you know, investment. I was just talking beforehand with uh, Sarah about, you know, the stuff we do in the real estate radio side. And and I and but the thing it said, it said. It would look to the to, to somebody outside like you were jumping around, but it said the thing that this constant is your virtues, your values, the things that that mean, and that's the common thread. I mean, if if I'm doing something to where I feel like I am I am impactful and I am making things happen, but I'm also getting to help people, and and, and this is the thing I I say this to people all the time. Think about it. Did look at somebody like Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates, you you would say that he's doing his best work now, but I would I would strongly argue with you on that. Bill Gates never influenced the world more than as a businessman. Microsoft changed the world. What he did for creating that company changed the world. He he could never achieve that in his philanthropic efforts. You you understand what I'm saying? Well, he never gets to try to um, alleviate malaria. Yeah. If he's not worth multi-billions. Multi-billions. And then the fact that, you know, when I look at my, what I do on a daily basis and how much I use office and how that makes my, my job easier, even as a human being, as a businessman, I'm like, man, this is, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, when I look at things and I look at, and so I was, i tell you a quick story. Like I went down in Macon after my mom passed in 2014. I went, I started doing some soul searching, like, you know, God, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> you know? And, and I, and I, and I just started going in these cities like Macon, Savannah, Columbus, and I started investing all this time, money and energy in these cities. And, and I, and I had to, you know, really understand and, and really figure out, okay, what was going to, what was going to really make the impact. I started going there and I started some of the best companies in these areas, like all of these areas, these startup companies, I've 
had a lot of influence in those areas. But one thing I realized, Ryan, was that when I said that, yeah, as much influence, I mean, or as wisdom or the things I was sharing that had made a difference, that the only way to truly impact those areas for really change, I had to have enough money. And, and I said, so it totally changed my mindset. I was thinking that if I wanted something large enough and if I, you know, if I went after it and I had enough, I was like, no, you can't do things in this world without the resources to do them. Regardless of your heart, <laughs> right? You, you, you can't go out, help all the people in the world unless you have the resources to do it. You just can't. When I was 25, I started telling my friends, I said, vision without capital is misery. <laughs> let, let me, you, look, I ain't bad to that. <laughs> I would say, say that because you are so right when you have something inside of you that you know, but you can't get it. Oh my goodness. It's, it's almost like death. <laughs> you know? It feels like death. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, Whatever death feels like. It I, must feel like that. It, it, it has to feel like that. <laughs> 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 when, you're, when your soul is leaving your body, it's like feeling the, the feeling like when you have vision, but you have no capital to try to express that vision. Oh, my goodness. Oh. It's, it's like torture. And so, it's and you know what even I think maybe goes to past death to maybe hell. <laughs> it's like when, when you see somebody else that did your vision. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness! Like, like that would have worked if I had any money, <laughs> right? And, mm-hmm. and and see, but then that kind of brings back. I don't think people place enough value on because see, see money, and and this is the thing. Like, see, a lot of people misquote quotes. They say, oh, money is the root of all. no. That's not true. It's the love of it, you know. And because the uh, in Ecclesiastes it says that money and wisdom can get you almost anything in life. It said it says wisdom is the principal thing or the most important thing, but it says money answers all things. So <laughs> you got to realize this. This is important. It's like you know, we, in order for us to complete the works that we were sent here to do, because I believe each and every one of us has something that we were here to do that without us it wouldn't get done. You know, and so I believe that strongly. How many people do you think know what that thing is? I think they I think a lot of people go their whole lives and never figure it out. I think that's probably true. I think a lot of people and, and it's a, and it's such a tragedy to for for them to end their lives and not to have done the thing that they were supposed to be doing. I, so what do, you, what do you think you're supposed to be doing? I you know, I know in one uh uh case i'm supposed to be uh doing some things in 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 in, in real estate helping people uh, as far as on that and i'm i believe on a, this i started a company a few years back uh because i looked at the world i've been helping all these startups in my accelerator mm-hmm. and i was um because i would take a lot of the companies i was working with and i would take a small number of them and then i would work with them one-on-one and 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 then they would raise money capital um, a lot of these were technology companies and so and i would go to all these pitch events and i I would talk and I would be, uh, you know, pretty much getting them ready to pitch. And I mean, are kind of introducing them. Then they would all, they, then a lot of people would turn to me and say, hey, so what are you doing? Like, you know, we they were looking at me like I was, the, and I was like, no, 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 it's them. So, you know, so after that, I said, you know what? I need to jump into this yeah. role. And so when I, when I started doing that, I said, what is the biggest problem that I thought existed in the world? And I had to look and say, housing global housing the global housing crisis 
you know, before Corona, that was the biggest issue. <laughs> I think Corona is probably the biggest right now. But definitely, you know, but but before then, it was like, hey, you know, and this doesn't mean like, I mean, like housing below three hundred thousand. I mean, you think about it. It's not homes that are out here right now that are that you if it's if one comes on the market, it's gone in a week, right? I mean, they said for the next five years, we just have a shortage. I mean, even if people built at an enormous rate. And so I, I looked at that and I said, okay, that, I want to tackle that. And then I had to say, how am I going to tackle this? Because I purchased my first real estate. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I started, I was up one night watching an infomercial and I saw this guy on there like, you can make money in classified ads. Da, 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 da. And I sent off his information. I, you know, I got 800 number, 900 number. I was like 10. Then at like 12, I started, saw this other guy in the summertime and he was like, hey, you know, I used to be in a Bishop factory and I'm a multimillionaire in real estate and you can too for $99.99 plus shipping and handling, right? <laughs> and so I said, all right. So I got it back. I learned it. And and I and so I purchased my first piece of real estate when I was 14. 14? 14 years old. Tell no, me about that. I didn't even know that was legal. I, I didn't know it was either, but they did. <laughs> <laughs> look. They, they, the age of consent for real estate. Well, well, look, right. They said that you could enter into a contract and it's not binding on your part, but it's binding on the other person's part. So I could have walked away from the deal at any second. And so they this company, and I don't know, when I look back at it, it's crazy. It was a company out in Carroll County in Villa Rica. Uh, it was in a place called Fairfield Plantation, right, not that far from, uh, um, um, uh, it had a gated community, and the guy was like, my mom took me out there with one of her friends, and she was like, they got, they, they bought property, she said, I'm not going to buy any property, and she said, what about you, and I was like, yeah, and then the guy said, well, do you have $500 to put down, I said, I do, I was working IHOP, and I had money, so I put that $500 down, they financed it for me, okay, and and I paid the monthly payment, I had credit at 14 they financed this for me. I paid it off when I was in college. And Were you renting it? Like I was renting it to other people, or did you live there? Did you go I, live there? I didn't. I haven't even did anything with it. It's just a piece of land. Come on. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> you bought a lot. I bought a lot inside of a gated community. That was it. And Is it so, still alive? It's still there. So, That's amazing. So, so, so I'm just saying, like, you know, I've always known I wanted to get back into real estate in some way. Mm -hmm. See, when I in college, after college, and I remember sitting out with my, my mentors, Mr. Gibbs, he, and I said, and I took him around to these little broke down little places and showing him, like, hey, this is what I wanted to do. I want to get into real estate. He was like, JR, he was showing me, you know, because st our stadium's named after him, Gibbs Stadium, and he's a textile magnet up. He said, listen, he said, maybe, son, you need to go into something else to build some capital first before you get into this. And I was like, okay. And that kind of, then that's what got me into helping small businesses. It Tell me about that guy, Gibbs. Gibbs. Well, Who is he? Mr. Gibbs, he is a uh, Gibbs International. He What's owns his first name. Uh, Jimmy Gibbs. Jimmy Gibbs. Jimmy Gibbs. He this so our stadium is named after him at Wofford College, and this guy. Where a, is Wofford? Wofford's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So right up the street from Greenville. So they call it the Upstate, Spartanburg, Greenville. And it is, uh, I love that area. It's like a second home to me. You know, another one of my mentors there at Wofford was Mr. Milliken um, from uh, Milliken. Um, uh, they, they're a textile company, and they, uh, you know, they used to have a big plan, or I think they do maybe still do it in, in LaGrange. And, you know, I had a lot of great mentors. Mr. Richardson from the Carolina Panthers. You know, he, you know, I had a, that was the thing about this school, right? I was supposed to go, According to my stats in high school, I should not have went to Wofford. I was the number one and number two running back in the state when I – I mean, but I only started one year. 
I rushed for almost 2,000 yards in one year. So nobody knew who I was. So Except for all the guys you ran over. Right. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's correct. They're still telling stories about playing against you. Well, yeah, they, 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 that's probably right. And, you know, my but, – but I went to this school, and, I, and they said that you could start young. And I went up there, and they allowed me the opportunity to – not only play football, but be a scholar. You know, um, my, my president of the college, um, um, while I was student body president, if you ever have an opportunity to watch a TED talk, he has the best one. What's his name? His name is Benjamin Dunlap. It's Benjamin called, Dunlap, TED Talk. TED Talk. Uh, it's called Being a Lifelong Learner. And so, you know, going at that school and looking, he was a Rhodes Scholar. He, he, was, he, he sat down with me my junior year, and he said, Jr., I believe you have a strong chance of being a Rhodes Scholar. I want you to do this. And all I heard, he said, you have to take a year off. And all I heard was a year off. I was like, no. I said, I didn't know what I was, you know, I wanted to play football. Yeah. And, but anyway, you know, I look at all of that back now, and I'm like, man, you know, that school – really allowed me the opportunity to not, in, in my in my degree, I mean, you know, I was a philosophy degree, right? Mm, so was I. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. you had some Descartes and a little mm-hmm. bit of Immanuel Kant and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I was really more of a specialist in Kierkegaard and uh, Nietzsche. Okay. And then a lot of the, the classicists. So I did a lot of Aristotle. Oh, wow. I love Aristotle. L- let me tell you, um, when... When I talk, you know, talked about you know Plato and all these things, with you know, we talk about being the smartest person, but how, why he was the smartest person was because he realized that he didn't know everything. That's right. That is so powerful. The virtue of Socrates. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so. yeah, I, I don't want to be the wisest man on the earth, but it seems I'm the only one who knows how little I know. That's correct. Yeah, that was Socrates. That is so powerful, mm-hmm. man. You think about that, right? Like. People think that they know it. How did you decide to study philosophy? Well, you know, it I, it was the only thing that really yelled to me. I was, I was, a, I started, I, my mom was like, when I first said it, she was like, boy, you can't make no money with no philosophy degree. And I was like, I don't know, it's just calling to me. And I went, I, I changed my major like six times because I went to finance, I went to this, I went to that. And nothing really felt like that same philosophy class that I took my freshman year. And when I got back in it, I was like, this is it. And and because it, it was like it didn't teach me what to think, it taught me how to think. That's right. And as a consultant, that's what I do. Now. I think through stuff. So I'm the best at what I do now. As a, I'm the best in the game as a consultant, not because of you know I know how to think through stuff. I can put myself in any situation and think my way through it. Mm-hmm. And, and and but but I wouldn't have had that without that philosophy degree, right? <laughs> well, I think in business, a philosophy degree is a superpower. Exactly. I agree so much. You get so much refinement of your mind and you are forced to think about things from as many angles as possible. Totally. And you get very comfortable with the ambiguity and uncertainty of real knowledge. That's so true. That's so true. That's so, and and I'm going to tell you something. When you look at just this whole thing that we're dealing with now is the, the, the uncertainty that exists you know a lot of people are afraid of that you know i I almost embrace that (laughs) because that's what makes me so good is because i'm very comfortable being uncomfortable right (laughs) you have to be if you're gonna be an entrepreneur you you have to be you know and, and i think it's really when you look at you know risk and success Mm -hmm. they're so 
similar. They're so they're, they're kind of like brothers and sisters. They're related, but they're opposites, right? <laughs> well, if you are concerned about never failing, yeah, then this is not the right path for you. It's not. It's not. You have to be very comfortable, just like sports. That's totally right. You have to be totally comfortable with the idea that you might drop a pass. That's right. If you're going to catch 90% of them. Let me tell you something about catching a pass. It's funny you brought that up. I could not catch a cold if my life depended <laughs> on it. I was horrible. I was horrible. Rock, rock hands. Man, let me tell you something. Because, see, I never played football before until I got to high school. I never picked up a football. I was just all, fast and strong. I was fast and strong, and I was like, I think I can do this football thing. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was going out there. They were tackling, you know. So, but, you know, but they would, I was tackling people with fair catching. But I went out there. See, this is the thing about, you know, what made me successful. I knew that I wasn't good at catching passes. I was rushing for two, 300 yards a game, never catching a ball. Nobody knew that I could catch. I was scoring four or five touchdowns a game. I told my coaches, I said, coaches, I'm never going to be good at this. Yeah. But I said, I'm going to be the strongest person on the field, okay, because I, 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 knew I, I knew I was really strong and I knew I was really fast and I knew that, uh, that I had great balance, durability. Those were the keys. You know, how, how does a guy who couldn't catch play, play uh, 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 is a star athlete in high school, a- academic All-American, and play professional football, never know how to catch a football? <laughs> right? can, you, can you still not catch a football? I, I, I Maybe a little better. better. <laughs> I learned overseas to kind of not think about it as much. But I'm going to tell you something. That was the scariest thing. People used to say, well, did you were you scared about linebackers? I said, I was squatting 700 pounds in college nobody was stepping in front of me okay yeah, that's right. and so but i was what i had nightmares about was 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 a ball coming at me in a, in a stadium fifty thousand people you're wide open <laughs> wide open and like, I all i gotta do is catch the ball i drop it <laughs> that was a nightmare to me <laughs> but they never even did that they never called that play because they, they knew they said but they said when anytime they got anywhere if if i got in a 40 in the 30, in the 20, yeah. you were not keeping me out of the end zone. That's right. I was willing myself in there like Tiger Woods would wheel the ball in. Where he was, the old days? You know, right? The old Tiger? You know, right? When he was when he was emotionally <laughs> honest with himself and everybody else. Totally, right? Yeah. That's I mean, right, totally. That's how when I got in there, it was like, you weren't keeping me out of this end zone. Mm-hmm. And it was just a mindset, right? And so, you know, I but but this is but that's the thing. I knew what my strengths were. And I don't I'm good at certain things, but I am bad at other things, you know. And and although I try to, the best coaches in the world the, at, on their athletes, they don't try to work on their weaknesses. They just they they try to enhance their strengths and make them so strong. Mm-hmm. And that's for me. I just try to. I know where my lane is, and I stay in it. And I just try to make sure my nearest competitor is ten times. I'm ten times greater. And, and, and that's something you have to continuously work at. How do you find that? How do you find those places where you're 10 times greater? Well, you have to find something naturally that I believe it's like this. It's three things. I call it my seat. First, you have to have desire about something. Are you passionate about something? Number one, because that's very big. Because when stuff gets hard, as it will, it's not when You better it will. be passionate. You got, because that's what's going to keep you getting up mm-hmm. and doing what you're doing. Number two, do you have the capacity? Right. Like, you know, can you do this or or, or do you have the capacity to be potentially the best in the world at this? Right. And that's something I had to say, hey, Jr., can you be the best uh, consultant? Can you be the best uh, platform speaker? Can you be the best person in this? Well, I can. And if and I know I can continue to work at this and be even better if I put the time in. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And then lastly, demand, right? Do people want what it is that you're doing? Like, right? And I and that's what I said, you know, because you can have capacity and desire, right? But if you don't have a man, nobody's gonna pay you for it. You can have demand and capacity, right? But if you don't have desire, you're not gonna keep doing it. You can have uh, capacity and demand. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. all of these things, you have to have all three. And I believe that's where it is, but you have to work at it consistently. You have to find that thing that you can eventually, even if you're not currently the best in the world at, what can we be the best in the world? And you have to work at that thing. And you have to work at that thing. And you have to work at that thing. And you have to place the right people around you to help you in your, in, in, see, I try to look at in my life, that's why I said, I know what I'm really, really good at. And I try to place other people around me that that, that stuff that I hate doing, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm with you. you. I get it. That's the only way you can be efficient. And, 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 be, a, and be the best and be, see, I want to, I, I, I want for people to say, man, he was the best that ever did that. What are you trying to be the best at right this second? At this second, man, that's number one. I, I want to be the best. Just, just, just not even being, you know, facetious about it. I really want to be the best father and the best and the best husband I can be to 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 my kids. And How many my, kids do you have? I have six kids. Six kids. Yes. Let me tell you something. See, I always wanted to have a big family. I come from a big family, but I didn't know it was gonna happen this fast. Right? How, what are their ages? <laughs> They're all 11 and under. 11 is my <laughs> oldest, William. See, me and my wife, we got married uh, 12 years ago. And right. we were like, oh, we're going to. We've gonna... been busy. Look, let me tell you, since then, we had an 11-year-old. And then we have a 9-year-old Christian. We have uh, twin boys that are uh, that are seven. We have a little girl that's um, uh, turning four next month. And then I have a little boy, little Luke. He's uh, one. And our house is like so, like, oh. Madness. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like all the time. It's what is is fun, you know. And and well, you know, you certainly weren't wasting any time there. No, listen, let me tell you something. And you know, because I look at it, I'm like, man, you know, when I look at transitions, right? You know, um, like the biggest thing I see in companies that people don't do well is when stuff transitions from 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 to the next generation, right? Absolutely. Right. Different mindset. They, they, they don't. And, and and but a lot of them have never even trained. Why the next they? generation. They didn't have to. Right? You know. They, they didn't have to train them, and the next the next generation didn't have to learn. Yeah, right. And, At least and, they didn't think so they until it was time. Until it was time. And, and and so the thing is with me, I take my son when I go to speaking engagements. He, he sees me. He's like, and I take him. I'm like, hey, look, this is what I do. Understand what I do just in case when you become 18, you have to take this over or you have to do this. It's amazing. You know, you need to understand these things. And and then really just just being a, a, a good, solid person for them to know that, you know what, I'm not just a good person around people, right? I'm a good person in the dark when ain't nobody watching, right? And I mess up a lot. But, I, but I'm honest with them, and I apologize to them when I mess up, right? I let them know, hey, listen, you know what, I jacked up. I'm sorry. You know, and, and it's still not to say that, you know, and this is honesty with them so they can know, hey, listen, you know, you ain't going to be perfect, but, you know, fess up about it, you know, and get and get going, get better, you know. So I would say that's number one. And then, you know, I want to be the best at, you know, just I want to be the best person and I want to lead the best startup in the world with my company, the Container Box. Like I said, you know, doing Which this I, stuff. Yeah, I know about it. I think you guys do make a great product. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we pivoted just recently to give a, a better platform. But I want to I want to lead that the best. I want to you know, we're doing uh, 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 this event, the Small Business Summit. 
which you know you know uh, thank you for agreeing to be a part of it you know and what we're doing like this is the thing like I, I saw this whole thing happening with covid and when all this stuff i was busy i didn't have time to figure out how to do an event for you know but i said listen i have a community of over fifty thousand entrepreneurs that are in and around the space fifty thousand entrepreneurs that are all around and i said you know what I have to do something to help these people. I'm leading these people. So the, the 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 strength of a true leader is when times get tough, are you really there to help? Are you really there to lead? So I said, hey, they need me. So we've been doing all of these webinars. I, I've been on the phone with, been on webinars, Congress people. Uh, I called the president's office and, you know, uh, in uh, uh, senators, SBA directors. We've been getting on here. We've helped over 5,000 people since this pandemic fill out the, either the PPP, the EIDL, uh, we, I, I did over, me and my staff did over 320 one-on-one hours with, with these people. And, and then I said, you know what? We're going to do, we're going to do. Are a, you getting paid for any of this? Nothing. This was free. It's just goodwill. Because, see, in order for this economy to turn over, the small businesses, as the economy goes, the small businesses go, as a small business. See, small businesses make up two out of three net new jobs. So it doesn't matter what Fortune 500 companies do. Until these small businesses recover, this economy will not fully recover. And so I, I know that I didn't do it out of obligation or like I had to. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a part of the solution, right? And 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 so and, and and we're having this event. We're having this event where we're bringing, you know, I'm bringing some great thought leaders to help to really speak about uh, how f- people can navigate these uncertain environments, Dylan, um, you know, and how they can go forward. Because right now you can't even plan. How can you plan? You don't even know what's happening tomorrow. So that's hard, you know. Um, um, and, and but but we're coming up with this, and we're doing a documentary. I said, well, you know what? While we're doing this, we're gonna document. I'm gonna sit down with some people, talk to them about, hey, how did you know all of these things? Put this together. People are like, Jr., how you doing this? You doing that? I said, why not? When is a better time? You know, the, the, one of my favorite scriptures. In the Bible is Ecclesiastes in 11, chapter 11. It says, the farmer that waits for the per- perfect time to plant will never harvest. That's part I mean, I said, this, when is going to be a perfect time? When, when are we going to now? <laughs> you know? So this is why I'm pushing myself. And believe me, it puts me in um, all of these different uh, 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 positions to, to meet wonderful people like you and and. And, and to and to spend more time getting to know you, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, you know, we 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 met long before this time, but we had an opportunity to to develop even a stronger relationship since this has happened. And I and so I look at always the the great things and and the bad things, right? <laughs> no, that's an that's the only way forward. If you're going to be a thought leader, entrepreneur, visionary, you can't get lost in all the negative because that's not your role. Totally, totally. Right. Your role is to come up with solutions. That's awesome. That's right. That's right. That's totally right. If if it's not you, it won't be anybody. And, and there's so many problems out here. And I say this, you know, one of my last things I want to say, there's so many problems out here that need to be solved. What we have to do in this world is stop chasing opportunities. We have to start going after problems and solving real problems that the world has. And so, you know, you, you know, what you're doing is solving problems. You're bringing, like, right now, like, who would have thought that the only thing that people can really uh, do right now is consume quality entertainment, right? You know, like, this which is... We're, a, which we're running out of. 
we're running out of it. <laughs> the stuff I'm seeing now is like, what is this? What is this? My my ten year old's watching so much YouTube now. She was watching YouTube before, but part of it is there's nothing she can find on Netflix anymore that she likes. That's my point, and that's this is that's a that's a huge problem. Oh that's my a huge problem. I'm, ho- I'm hoping to try to solve. Exactly right. Okay, so you have six children. Yes. Imagine that we're having this conversation with Aristotle. Okay. And Aristotle's talking about the formation of the soul. Okay. Right. What are some of the principles you as a father think of when you're trying to form the souls of your children? First off, you know, I always try to tell them there's two things I try to make sure they live their life by. Number one, loyalty, being loyal to people. I I think that's something that we don't have enough of. You know, people are not loyal. When hard times come, they jump ship. Loyalty is so important. And number two is kindness. If you can be kind to people, you know, my mama used to always say, baby, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it, right? <laughs> and, 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 and these are two things I really try to make sure I instill in them, amongst other things. But it's a constant effort, and there's, there's things I'm, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that I instill in them, hard work. You know, I, uh, you know these are things when I, that I look at. But I would say if I could look at the, 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 the foundation of those things, be loyal and be kind. I think, I think those are two things, if you do that, you're going to end up well. And you just tell them these things over and over. You say loyalty, kindness. Is that how, I mean, I, is that how you're doing it? I, 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 Repetition? I, I, I tell them in a way, though, when I'm saying like certain times, like I'm, I'm saying, listen, I have one son that likes to tell on everybody. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, that's cool. And it's okay. But I'm like, you don't want to also, you, you need to develop a relationship here. So this is your brother, right? And you, and, and you, you don't want to just be always out to get him. You know, so you have to figure out a way. Hey, you know, uh, in this case, it's OK not to tell on him because it may be a time when you don't need to tell. He don't need to tell on you. You got, you got to build some loyalty. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I need you guys to be like there for each other, have each other's back, have each other's back. Yeah. There's a, there's an element of virtue in lying to your parents in order to save your brother. Hey, look, I'm saying it is all there. Right. <laughs> you know, and there's there's many times in the Bible people don't realize uh, this, uh, the actually the descendant of uh, of 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 Jesus, I mean the the ancestor of Jesus, who's Rahab the harlot, mm-hmm. she lied to the people to to have the um the soldiers be able to leave out. So hey, that's that's and because of that, her whole family was saved off of a lie. Well, there in <laughs> in the Old Testament, there's certainly a lot of deception as a virtue. That's correct. A deception mm-hmm. as a virtue because of loyalty. That's right. Who you're loyal to. Who you're loyal to. That's correct. And that's the thing. So I have to tell people all the time, everything is not so black and white. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of gray area. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just make decisions just based on, oh, if this is the thing. No. And that's in business, right? You, you can't be so stuck with a business model, especially in this time. It's so rigid. It's like, no, you got to change. You got to be able to move and shape. Okay. Last question for you because we're running out of time. Imagine that your middle child, mm-hmm. whichever one you want to imagine, the twins or whoever you consider to be the middle child. Mm-hmm. Your middle child's 30 years old. They mm-hmm. sit down with a psychologist for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. What do they say about their father? Well, hopefully they said he was somebody that uh, cared for him. He, he, hopefully he, they said that he was somebody that was passionate and went at everything with 250%. And hopefully they said that it was somebody that uh, uh, cared about uh, his relationship with God, and he showed that not just in words, but in his actions. Hmm. 
Man, if that's what they're saying, then they don't really need to be at the psychologist, probably. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I don't think they're, I mean, they have an incredible father. Um, I can tell that you're incredibly passionate about your kids. Yeah. And that uh, they must feel cared for, protected, and loved. They're well, fortunate. Well, I appreciate it. And that means a lot. I mean, I try hard every day. It's an everyday, uh, it's an everyday fight. You, you just got to stay in the ring. <laughs> That's the truth. JR, thanks for being here today. This has been fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's been my honor and pleasure. Appreciate it. Let's do it again. Most definitely. This is Ryan Millsap. That's the end of the Black Hall Studios podcast. Putting an exclamation point on the end of each podcast, I share inspirational sayings that I write on Instagram. The magic of the universe is revealed in the simplicity found on the other side of complexity. Thanks for listening to the Black Hall Studios podcast with Ryan Millsap. We want to hear from you. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram at at Black Hall Studios and at Ryan.Millsap. Millsap.